Okay, welcome back to the pod. Bullish Bitcoin banter and bullshit. There's just the two of us today. It is myself, Mr. All In. I've always known as the Trillion Dollar Man. Is it not course, billion? Trillion. Oh, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a bear market, yeah, I downgraded to billion. Uh, we have Dr. Evil 10%, aka the People's Champ. No idea why. Stupid people, NPCs. <laughs> Then we have, to, and then unfortunately, we do have our host, Sir Neverlock, aka the execution. Now, it's an excellence of execution. He is missing. He's got a very good excuse, though, because he is at Bitcoin 2023 in Amsterdam. He's there now. It's the night before. He's probably out somewhere where there's some flashing red lights and lots of smoke. So we'll or, let him off. Or, or to put it simply, smashing some hookers. That is a never more direct way. <laughs> <laughs> not just one, not two, not three, but four. Oh, and he never looks. Oh, let's put, go back to one of your comments and you said um, about my nickname, which um, so never looks um, called me, but um, you said the M- for the NPCs. I'm like, I don't think any NPCs would listen to us. Um, we must have some. I doubt that. No, I like to think we do. I like to think we do. But of course, the final member who is not here, of course they're not here. They never show. They've got the invite. They've got the agenda. They occasionally reply to a message. They came in two two weeks ago. But of course they don't show tonight because it is Mrs. No Show living up to her name as per usual. And she isn't at Bitcoin um, Amsterdam 2023. And... My best guess is she is probably playing Call of Duty while drinking a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> Pumpkin latte. Right. Yeah. So we've got we've got a bit of a special pod um this evening. So it was scheduled for pod 69, quite relevant, um, which is custody and security. So I've been talking about doing this pod for probably about four or five months now. And the whole purpose is, I think, when you first come into Bitcoin, it's quite hard to understand how on earth you should store. And there's been all kinds of horror stories like Quadriga and Mount Gox. So I thought I'd put together some simple questions in the style which we had from um, the ordinary man's dad. I put similar ones, which I wrote. So... Um, I was thinking back to when I first um, entered the Bitcoin space and that kind of confusion about, well, where do I put my Bitcoin? What options are there? What the hell am I doing? So I thought we'd go through some simple questions and we'd have a bit of a chat as we go along, um, probably talk about some of these nuances, which I think are wor- well worth digging into. Um, so hopefully we'll answer most of the questions. And then I think in the future, I've talked about while we're in a bear market, we should maybe have them a pod around why and what Bitcoin. Um, perfect time to do it. How can we be more bullish? Okay. Well, how can we be more bullish in a bear market? Well, it's more about why Bitcoin? Why not F? Why not um, Treasury bonds? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you it's, know, there's a massive why Bitcoin go through its fundamentals. Yeah, exactly. And what is Bitcoin? Because, you know, we, we kind of talk about the news every week yeah. and we, we know why we've done our um, proof of work 
but not everyone has. Not everyone's read the Bitcoin standard stuff. It might be quite a fun pod to talk through. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I might even try and drag on um, The Ordinary Man, if he's up for it, because yeah, I know he'll be it's listening it's to this. The Everyman. The Everyman. I thought The Ordinary Man. Yeah, that's harder to say. The Everyman is easy. The Everyman. Yeah, I might try and drag him on for that one, if he's up for it. Ooh. Putting it out there while we're on because um, he's well, he's a relative newbie. He's not that new newbieish anymore. But I'd like to get someone else's point of view, get a bit of a guest. Yeah. Anyway, good start having guests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we do have young MBA, and I suppose you could count um, uh, Miss No Show as a guest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see all them. They, those really, they're just like they're they're joint hosts along with us. Really, they're they're pretty up to speed. We could have genuine guests on that are just you know from the from the side or potentially even from the community. We could have random Bitcoiners in from Bitcoin Twitter to drop in. Uh, I'll yeah. be funny. Um, get someone on, or or get my missus on. So what are you talking about now? <laughs> you and your magical internet money. Yeah. All right. But anyway, let's kick it off. So the first question which I put is where can you buy Bitcoin? So I think there are some absolute horror stories that's so worth talking this through. And we actually touched upon a new source the other week, didn't we? But I've completely forgotten what it's called. And I did download the app. Oh, Peach. Yeah, Peach. At least I think it's an app anyway. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. I'm just lying. Um, so there's a standard ones here, Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken. There's peer-to-peer, which would be Peach. So the advantage of Peach is it's not KYC'd. And we actually saw in the last week, didn't we? Was it Celsius? Um, all their big users have been released onto the wild, wild web. And people have been compiling lists of these people with their names and the amount of money which they've got so these people who have been stacking in the early days have built up a fortune they've been exposed one of the many benefits of kyc <laughs> yeah and, and weirdly what it has is exposed as well there's um, i don't know if you know mr parabolic um what's his jason jason williams and, I, think, uh, I think i've read a book by him oh what, yeah Bitcoin money you can't fuck with. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been exposed as being a bit of an insider on Celsius. He's getting a lot of shit and he's left Twitter now because he had $15 million worth of Bitcoin on Celsius. He withdrew all of it the week before it crashed and and withdrawals were, were cancelled. So it kind of proves that he most likely knew Celsius were going under. He got a tip. He took all his money off and he didn't tell anyone. So he's left Twitter now because he's been getting so much shit about that. Because once this list of people on there, he was known as being a guy that's like, yeah, yeah, I keep millions on Celsius. Da, da, da. Here's all my like my interest payments and like screenshotting all this stuff, flexing it on the plebs. So when it all went under and was like, oh, you must have lost a shit time. And he kind of went, yeah, I did. And then the list comes out. You search his name. He didn't. He, he lost like, I think it's like a few hundred dollars on his name. And you go... Why doesn't that say a huge amount more? You had millions on. You were literally screenshotting those screens the last couple of months. Where's, where did all the money go? And he didn't have an answer, so he just left Twitter. Oh, my God. So Celsius, just to get my head, because I forget 
what all these scams are and the differences. Celsius is a DeFi platform where it's basically lending it, isn't it? Um, I think it calls itself DeFi, yeah. But yeah, it's essentially, um, yeah, you. it's like um, yeah, you put your Bitcoin on there and then they lend it out. And I think they were giving you, I think at the beginning, they were giving you about 12% a year on your Bitcoin, but then it went down to like seven, then down to four, then down to three. And then, but they were on the other shit coins, they were giving huge percentages. And so some of the some of the shit coins are paying out 20, 30 percent. Obviously, you know, behind the scenes, those coins were inflating by 30 or 40 percent. So your your interest was fake. The bit but the interest on Bitcoin was genuine. They were actually loaning out your Bitcoin to traders. And then traders were then gambling your money and making hopefully a profit. And then if they did, they would then pay it back. And that's where your interest comes from. But they all went bust when all the big those big shit coins like Luno and stuff all went went kaput and billions leaked out of the shitcoin market. Essentially, all the all the collateral for your loan that was paying the interest it all went pop. So they essentially didn't have your Bitcoin now. They'd lent it to someone else, and they lost it. So they didn't they couldn't pay everyone back. They they and it's it's like what the what banks do. You know, the banks do exactly the same thing. They, they, it's, not, it's not as obvious, but they, when you deposit your money into your current account in a bank account, behind the scenes, the, the bank takes that money and loans it out to people that then give it to people for mortgages and whatever else, or sometimes they're trading on the market. And you just hope that those people do well, because if they don't, then your money just goes and your bank closes down. And, they, and you just go, well, what the hell? Where'd my money go? You go, well, oh, sorry, we gambled it away and we lost. Well, this is what I understand was also happening in the pension industry. But yeah. they were saying, oh, yeah, you've got this, you know, medium mix. We're going to invest into these kind of assets and we'll flick it around. But actually what they're doing behind the scenes is they weren't investing it in these kind of like medium mix. They're going high risk and then pocketing, say, the extra 8% for, for you. So it's a kind of like, you know, we, we want Bitcoin. So we've got a clearer system, a safer system. But when this shit surrounds it, it just kind of, you know, we're pretty much in fiat world, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so to come back to the way you can buy, like it's it's mainly like mainly buy on exchanges. And um the ones that I would personally trust in the UK that you could easily got access to is Coinbase Kraken and Gemini. I would they're the three. And uh the, the reason why I picked those three, they they've all been around for over five years. None of them have a track history of being hacked themselves. So they keep your, the Bitcoin that they do hold is, is well looked after. They've never had any stolen. And, um, and yeah, and they're just huge. And the the people that run them as well are still the original people. Uh, so the original well, Coinbase has just changed the CEO, hasn't it? I uh, was, it, um, well, Kraken did. Kraken, Jesse Powell moved to be chairman instead of CEO. I think Brian Armstrong is still CEO of Coinbase, isn't he? Or did he? Has there been some news that he left? I, I want to say maybe I got mixed up with Jesse. Um, but yeah, but they've been around for a while. People use them so you know they're safe. And I suppose the general rule is someone, if some other exchange, which you don't know, is offering a better deal, which seems too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So yeah. just stick with it, be safe. Um, and just you know follow some follow that and i think it kind of leads us on to the further questions which is how do i know the exchange is safe and won't just rob me so you kind of got the word 
So things like Bitcoin, Twitter, very good to follow because you can, well, pick up from there where everyone uses. So there's, there are some other exchanges like Bitpanda, um, Binance. Um, well, there's actually loads, aren't there? Yeah, yeah depending on where you are in the world, yeah, there's, there's going to be loads and loads and loads. I do feel sorry for certain people, like the, I think the Quadriga one, the reason why that did so well is because Canada is such an authoritarian place. They don't let people like, move their money <clears throat> like offshore. And it's so hard to get a financial license inside Canada that the big exchanges didn't get there for ages. So Quadriga had kind of a captive market where they only served Canadian customers. And then if you're Canadian, you didn't have a lot of options. So yeah, some always the advice always would be if you are in a country that doesn't have a lot of options if you're going to buy on an exchange that doesn't have a lot of a long track record and most people don't know who they are just make sure your money or your bitcoin is not on there for long just oh dca so don't you know if you want to put in i don't know say like five grand put it in segments you know start off 50 pounds can you get it can you get it off the exchange Put in 150, you know, and work up to 500 pounds, um, kind of like tranches, but keep on taking it off. Um, yeah. DCA and make sure you take custody, which we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah. you kind of, you know, you mentioned their quadriga, you couldn't take, I don't think you could take it off the exchange. And when they started asking, you kind of stopped re replying to messages, didn't they? Uh, no, I think you could, you, you could originally, but then they they paused it and then it just all went yeah. under. It's never a good sign of someone pauses withdrawals because the whole point of Bitcoin is it's self-sovereignty. So it's yours, not um, not theirs. So we've seen in the fiat world, Canadian banks, Lebanese banks, all stopping with withdrawals. And if it happens on Bitcoin, that's not Bitcoin. Yeah. Don't buy more. <laughs> yeah, and weirdly, even, even the advice that I give for like a dodgy exchange that you're not sure about, I still do the same methodology with an exchange that i think will be around for 10 or 20 years so i still don't trust coinbase i don't trust kraken i don't trust gemini i use all three of those to, to buy bitcoin but i put my fiat on there and pretty much when it lands i pretty much buy my bitcoin it takes a, a minute or two for it to clear and then i'm withdrawing it to my, my my cold storage so my risk there was a couple of minutes really and, um, and that's with a big exchange. So if I was doing it with a smaller exchange, I probably I would do what you just said there, where I wouldn't put lump sums on. I would break it probably down even further just for those couple of minutes where I have either Fiat or Bitcoin on there. If it does go pop or they suddenly pause a withdrawal, then I've lost less. You know? Yeah, just don't do the full amount until you... Well, don't do the full amount ever. Um, I did put a question here, but I kind of... I think it puts us a bit out of sync so i'll skip it and maybe we'll talk about it at the end so so i've bought can't i just leave it on the exchange coinbase are backed up to 85k mm. yeah a lot of people would think that's completely safe isn't it? it's like a bank account they go under you insured up to eighty five thousand. but um what it doesn't say in that backed up to 85 that that backs the 85k only gets paid out if coinbase go insolvent um, so it doesn't cover you for if your account gets hacked. If someone gets into your username and password, you haven't put two-factor authentication on, which is another very, very... Isn't Coinbase covered for hacks? No, no. 
Surely it was Coinbase's fault. Um, well, you'd have to prove it's Coinbase's fault. Yeah, so you could you could sue them, but it's it's the, it's the same with your bank account, right? So you know this eighty five k, it's um, you're only insured for your bank if um, the bank goes under. If someone manages to to scam you and defraud you and get them, um, get you to send them fifty grand, two hundred grand. So say it's your retirement fund and you send some scammer 200k because they, they confuse you some way. That isn't the 85k isn't insured there. That is very much a it's you against your bank, and you need to prove that you were defrauded and somehow they failed. And if they decide that they didn't fail on anything and all the checks and balances were there, but you bypassed them and okayed everything and it goes out, then you're not covered. And it's I think that most people are are scared of having their their Bitcoin stolen. And that is that's the number one way of people get lose their Bitcoin is they leave it on an exchange and somewhere they their username and password gets found. And obviously they're all out there everywhere. And someone gets into your account and then they take the Bitcoin off. And um you might think, oh it's okay, I only had say five grand in there. I'm insured up to 85. No, you're not. If someone hacks it and takes out five grand, you'll go to Coinbase support and they'll just go, well it's gone. They they use your username and password. They they got in and they sent it out. Uh, that's not our problem. That's your problem. So that's the first thing to say. But also, like obviously, these eighty five k's. Good luck getting this money out. Right? If um when when banks collapse and people think they're insured, like, where do the where does this money really come from? Like there's quite often this central pot when banks collapse, then. There's no money in the entire economy to be paid out. So these magic insurance companies that supposedly have 85 grand for every single customer of every bank, it's never been tested before on big scale that they can actually pay this money out. So I'd be very skeptical that this insurance would even pay out anyway. Well, interestingly, in the UK, we're going through something which could go towards that direction, but I'm sure will be stopped somehow, is that we the bonds are being sold off and the uk or the bank of england are buying the bonds so they're basically printing money in order to secure debt so it's pretty much saying we're buying um debt with non-existent money you know if this continues it leads towards hyperinflation because no one wants to buy the bonds and the debt so you've got this big cyclical problem which is basically taking away any kind of certainty around the cash and it can build up so it kind of goes well at 85k if this continues and escalates that could be worth literally a loaf of bread and your bitcoin could be worth i don't know 60 million pounds because the pound is worth nothing so that's something to consider because all fiat monies go to zero well or infinity whatever way you want to put put it yeah infinity in their number but zero in their spending power and um, if you want an example of how long an insolvency process can take, it's, we'll have a look at Mt. Gox. They went insolvent in 2013. It's now 2022, nearly 2023. So we're nearly at the 10-year anniversary of Mt. Gox. No one has received a single sat back from that yet. They're still going through because liquidations are so complicated. Like who are, who's owed what? You know, Normally when these companies go under, they've got big contracts, there's big shareholders, as well as the customers. And everyone has their hand in the pot and they're all trying to scramble out whatever money is left. They're trying to scramble it back out. You do not want to be in that situation. So to avoid it, 
do not leave either fiat or bitcoin on an exchange yeah, i think fair point the next one i'll, I'll cut into this one actually because it's relevant towards the platform so on coinbase or whatever platform you're on you've probably seen there's all kinds of shit coins or altcoins whatever you want to call them they're cheaper surely they'll work out you know because you can buy it 10 pence and maybe you'll get in at the beginning why not those Oh man, that's so it's all about unit bias, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think one one, it here's Dogecoin. So Dogecoin is what, 10 pence, or it was like one pence. How many units are there? Then it's also what makes that valuable. And I think that's what people forget. They're going, oh, it's the next tech. I'm gonna buy SHIB or I'm gonna buy Doge, but it's how many units are there? How many units are, are there gonna be? Um will it? ever actually have any value does it have any um properties which make it a sound or hard money and i think this will kind of push into another um pod where we talk about what hard money is or what sound money is but read the bitcoin standard is the only thing which i'll say if you if you're signing up for an exchange looking to buy bitcoin and you get tempted by f because it's a number two read the bitcoin standard before you do anything so you actually understand why you be buying bitcoin yeah because it's i must admit that so many people get caught by that and um yeah and you, you mentioned dogecoin there i just googled it quickly at how many dogecoin are there because people think right because dogecoin is they say 10 pence and bitcoin is at 20 grand then even if dogecoin just is slightly as successful as bitcoin then surely dogecoin can go from 10 pence to maybe a thousand dollars and Bitcoin still be at 20. We're not saying Dogecoin takes over Bitcoin. It only goes to $1,000. But my 10 pence then will be worth $1,000. If I buy like $100 of Doge, I'm going to be a millionaire if Doge goes to uh, $1,000. But the thing to always remember and the thing to always check is how many of the coins are there. And there's 21 million Bitcoin. There's 132 billion dogecoin so it's i don't even know what uh, let's try and do that I, can i even do that maths um and there's an apparently there's 10, what's that did you say there's 132 billion dogecoin yeah and if it was at 10 pence it'd be 13.2 billion which seems a bit high for it so Oh, I can't do it. I don't know what the num what the maths is. I think what is it about five hundred, maybe five thousand times. Anyway, there's a lot more Dogecoin. So essentially, if Dogecoin even gets to one dollar, then technically on market cap, because the the market cap is the important thing to look at. You have to times the the price of the coin by the quantity, and then you get the market cap. And with Dogecoin, if Dogecoin ever hits one dollar, then it's going to be the equivalent of, you know, Bitcoin being at like $50,000. So that's the number. Dogecoin at $1 is essentially the same as buying Bitcoin at $50,000. That's the comparison. Whereas a lot of people think, oh no, Bitcoin, Doge is only at $1. It can still go so much higher to catch up with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is now at $50,000. No, they're, they're technically the same because the amount of value in the network is now the same. And it's also your um, stack is going to be devalued. Is it 5% of 
um, every year. So we do they print new tokens within Doge because it is a meme coin. So it's basically it, it takes the piss out of fear in the fact that it inflates the supply an automatic amount per year. So you're also going to have that to contend with, which I think a lot of people don't consider. But it kind of goes back to what's the value? Is there any value? What exactly does it bring? It's like NFTs when everyone mad. Sure, the demand of NFTs drove the price price up. But when things got tough and everyone went, hmm, what the fuck is the point of me buying this picture of an eight which is badly drawn? Everyone went, there's not any. Oh, it's worth 10p now. We saw it with, um, oh, what's his name? One of the um, Paul brothers. Um, he he bought something for, I think it was 700 grand. It's now worth 10 pence. Yeah, and I and he's all right because he can afford just to lose basically a million dollars on a JPEG. But for the average pleb out there, you know, you, you do just, your research. But but yeah, it's it's one of them. So, so essentially, they just try and stay away from the shit coins. They're gonna throw them in your face when you go on these exchanges. You're normally gonna see a oh the best performing coin of the day or the worst performing coin of the day. It probably won't be Bitcoin that's listed. It's so tempting to go, oh, this one's doing well. It's on an uptick. I think I can be smart. These All the shit coins always go to zero in the end, always. Just buy some Bitcoin, take off the exchange, keep things nice and simple. The only time you should ever mess with shit coins is if um, uh, exchanges like Coinbase have various lessons. You can go and do a pretend lesson, pretend to learn about a shit coin. They'll give you a couple of dollars of that shit coin. Exchange it for Bitcoin, take it off. That's my only involvement in shitcoins is just they don't even that. give me that anymore. I must have been doing too quick or just tapping every single answer in the end. Yeah, to be fair, I've actually been banned from it as well now. So I've I've stopped getting them. My brother keeps texting me like, oh, never two dollars, never two dollars on there. I'm like, not for me. I've I've I been off as well. I did have like I think I've had about fifty or sixty dollars worth. So it's not been a bad run, it's just that they stopped. I think maybe it's because I was just button mashing. So I don't have to watch the video. I know, yeah. Should have should have done our shitcoin education a bit slower. Yeah. But anyway, enough of shitcoins. This isn't really about shitcoins. So we've talked about buying it. We've talked about the exchanges. And now it's well, what are the options for storage? So we're saying don't store it on the exchange. So well, what can you do with it? Yeah, we need to have a look at hardware wallets. So there's a few of them around that are well-respected. Again, this is another place you can get scammed. I've seen many people go off and go, oh, I've heard of these hardware wallets, but they're a little bit expensive. I'm going to have a little Google and try and find something cheaper. Don't do that, because if these things are compromised, then they'll steal your Bitcoin instantly. So whenever you're buying a hardware wallet, make sure you buy directly from the supplier of that hardware wallet off their website. Check the URL of the website, double-check it, and make sure you're buying it. Because if you buy one that has been compromised, what people can do is essentially send you a hardware wallet where they already have the password for it. So the second you put Bitcoin on it, it comes straight off. It's always already going to sound super scary, but it doesn't have to be. It's just a don't try and skimp on this stuff, right? It's use, use an exchange. Maybe their fees are a little bit higher. Doesn't matter. Is it safe? Go there with your hardware wallet. Oh, they're a little bit expensive. They're around, they're around £100 each for a hardware wallet. And you can get them cheaper. You can find them in on eBay. You can find them on Amazon. 
they are nearly all scams and they will steal everything you have. So that little 20 well, pounds. I might get one and stick some Dogecoin on it, see if they take it. Oh, they will. Because um, they're, they're normally they're set up to just have sweepers, they're called. So they, they just sweep. They have a look at the addresses that they've all sent out to various places. And they just have a bot that just, if, if any idiot puts any um, Bitcoin or shitcoin on any of these wallets, they just sweep it straight off to a different wallet. Straight off. It'll be gone in seconds. Um, so I have, I have thought about buying one off Amazon before, but I just went, no. Like, same as you. It said... I think Ledger Shop or something like that, but you don't even know that's the official Ledger Shop, so you can put whatever text they want. So I just stayed away. Yeah, they'll 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 come. They, I've always I've bought plenty from from Ledger. So yeah, so that if we go through the hardware wallets, you can get it's Ledger, which is unfortunately predominantly shitcoin. They do Bitcoin, but you're going to be bombarded with with shitcoin when you're using Ledger, which is a pain in the ass. You have Trezor which are slightly more respected than, than Ledger. But they also shitcoin a lot as well. But then you have cold card, and cold card is Bitcoin only. So there's no shit. Oh, is it? Yeah. Mm. That's probably the only hardware wallet that I know of that I would trust that is Bitcoin only. It's from the same guy who makes the block clock. Uh, so so have, you got, have you got Trezor or have you got cold card? Because I've only got Ledger. I've got all three. Yeah, got the whole set. Just so you've case. done. So you've got a lot of ledger, haven't you? Yeah, I bought a lot of ledgers, but I also have some treasures and I have some cold cards as well. Yeah, I mix it across just in case. That for me, it comes to later questions, but just in case one of these these um, devices become compromised, I can switch to a different set of hardware. Okay. Quickly. So you must have a fair few then to cover the billion. <laughs> yeah I, i've got ledger at the moment so um i think it's just because it's one of the main brands when i kind of entered the space um but i've got the older ones i think it's like is it nano s or x like the base model yeah it's the the s i've got the s as well and then yeah the x is the new one that has the bluetooth on that links to your phone but I, I don't like you with your hardware wallet. You want it to be as boring as possible, which is why cold card's good. It's very basic. It hasn't hardly any features on it. It just stores your Bitcoin, allows you to send to it and send from it. Um, you don't want it to do anything else other than that. I think Whereas, when you start up in Bluetooth, you know, literally, uh, I you want your ledger to be hidden, and so when you go and get your ledger, you plug it into your laptop. You want to check the balance or transfer some in. You don't want it flagging up as a Bluetooth. So if you live in a flat, you don't have other people detecting it. It's a bit, it becomes a risk then. I don't think you can do much via the Bluetooth, but they sure as hell know that there's a device in the radius from then on. Yeah, it's just another attack vector. You just you don't want, for every single feature they add on, it's more code. And for every line of code, there could be a mistake you know, in when whenever they write it. So yeah, there probably is no no vulnerability in the bluetooth when it because it but i think they, they want they literally want you to they, they're encouraging people to carry their ledger around on their keys and have that in their pocket but it doesn't matter because it bluetooths to your phone and you can check your balance you can buy a bitcoin send it to your ledger or through your phone i just go i don't want to be doing my phone to be linking to my ledger i want to carry it around I don't know yeah. what use case that they're the trying. kind of to... things which you look at on your phone, your phone could be easily compromised. 
Well, in, in reality, like you have to assume it is compromised, right? You just I, and I, I assume it is. Just I assume it is compromised. So only put stuff on there that you don't mind having published to the world. And um, if that's your private keys for your Bitcoin, then I would be worried that that's that's on your mobile device. So um. So yeah, I I like boring ledgers and um, more boring hardware wallets, which cold cards the most boring. Trezor's pretty boring. And then Ledger, they're starting to do like NFTs and all kinds of bullshit on their on their things now. So I, I can see there's gonna be a point where I need to completely move off Ledger. It's just like I'm a little bit invested in that hardware now because I bought a load when they did a big discount on the S. So I'm gonna have to try and figure out with, with cold card and how I'm gonna move all that over. Yeah, something which I think you've mentioned on previous pods is um, updating Ledger. So you're saying doing it, do it regularly, but try and not make sure that you're the first person to update. So how would you advise on doing that? Um, yeah, so normally when it says you'll you're plug your Ledger into your laptop and it will it, it might pop up and it will pop up Ledger Live and um and it'll say, yeah, you're, something needs updating. So what I would tend to do, normally there's an option that says read about the update. So I'd click that, uh, click read about the update, and then check the date on the post of when it, when it was written. Yeah. And if that update was in the last week, I would just ignore it and go, no, nope, not updating this week. I'm, I'm going to leave it. Because what you want to protect yourself from is a bug, a vulnerability that they put into the update that is going to be exploited you don't want to be the first person to download the update and then you're one of the ones that gets exploited. Let everyone else download it first. Or if anything's bad's going to happen, you'll hear about it. They'll pull the update, they'll release a patch and then it will be fine again. Let all that noise, it's 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 never happened on Ledger, but I always look at this. It's like, I, I learned this with iPhone. You know, don't update your iPhone the second an update comes. You know, Apple have got a reputation of just bricking phones, like phone calls don't work or certain apps don't work when a big update comes. But they fix it within like two weeks usually. So just don't don't download the update for two weeks and you let you you avoid all the bugs that, that come with it. You miss them all and just come in two weeks later and download the extra update um, and you avoid all the noise. So that's just with my phone. And normally your phone is just a minor inconvenience that some apps might not work or something if you press update too quick. With your ledger and your hardware wallet, don't be first. Let everyone else download it first. And then once the update is two to three weeks old, then I click update. Because you don't want to get months and months and months out of out of date because you who knows, you don't want to get too far behind on the software. You don't want to risk getting almost um, like your your version not being supported anymore. So you should update it every couple of months, but just don't be first. Click the link, read the blog post, look at the date. If it's in the last last couple of weeks, I tend to ignore it. And um, oh, and then in a couple of weeks' time, I download it then. Slow device. Something which you mentioned um, on the previous question was um, around having it on your keychain, the ledger. So where would you say you just store it? Because, you know, you want to hide it. You don't want it in public, do you? You don't want it waggle it around because you've got trapped in, you got pickpockets, and you got trapped in the wrong kind of attention. Oh, I recognise that symbol, or I recognise that USB kind of looking thing. That's a ledger. That person's got some money. 
So where would you say put it then? Uh, it depends on your living situation. It depends on what country you're in. Depends on how much money you've got, how much Bitcoin you've got on the device. Uh, but but typically, I would go. Normally, like the thought process you probably should go through is, if you've got a hundred pounds on there, where would you put a hundred pounds of cash in your house? It's probably just going to be in your wallet and it's going to be on the side somewhere. So if that's the case and that's how much money you have on your ledger, you know it's probably fine leaving it on your desk. You know it's no if someone nicks it, same risk as someone nicking your wallet. But then if you say you have a thousand pound, five thousand or ten thousand pounds, would you just leave ten grand sat on your desk? You probably wouldn't. You would probably put that out of sight somewhere. So, and a lot of people might just have good little cubby holes. That could be absolutely fine. If you keep going up in the values though, 50K, 100K, 200K, a million pounds, now are you just putting that in a cubby hole? You're probably not, are you? You're probably going to now be start thinking, right, I need safes. I need maybe multiple safes. I need to, and not just putting the safe in a cupboard. I might need to be taking up some floorboards putting the safe under there and nailing the floorboards back down. I don't want to go back under there ever potentially, or I want to make it very difficult to go there. Who knows? So it's almost like you, you hide it in, in relation to how much value and how much effort you're willing to go to, to protect it. Uh, but I think for, for most people, when you're first starting out on your Bitcoin journey, if people listen to it for this, it's have somewhere secure that like you don't want the misses or the kids stumbling across it, thinking it's a little old USB and throwing it in the bin. That has happened to people. People have left these little things in hidden little drawers. They've put it in the bottom of the missus's underwear drawer. She's come across it and they've thrown it in the bin. This has happened to people and that was their only device. So if you are going to hide it, hide, make sure it's hidden in a place where no one is going to stumble across it by accident. You might think that drawer's never gone in. Guess what? When you're out in, in, in two years' time, the kids or your missus or someone might be going through that location, stumble across it, have no clue what it is, and chuck it in the bin. And then when you come and try and have a look for it in another year's time, and you go, where's that, my USB? Where's my ledger gone from this little crack in the wall that I, I hide because it's behind the drawers? And someone just goes, I don't know. So hide it somewhere that you know no one's going to stumble across it or share the location with your missus as well and go, just so you know, I'll put the ledger behind you. Please don't throw it away. Yeah. It looks like this. I suppose, thinking about that, you've kind of got the different levels, which is fair point. But you, what we see on Bitcoin tw Twitter being discussed is a $5 wrench attack, or is it or is it the $7 wrench attack now? <laughs> the $17 wrench attack. Um, so in that kind of situation, we're talking about hiding it around the house. I think we had a story months ago where some guy was on some dating app and um, the girl claiming she was interested in um, crypto, she drugged him and tried to get, get him to reveal where the ledgers were. So you got that kind of, you got you too. So you got a wrench attack and, the, and say being drugged or whatever. I mean, how are you meant to get around that? I mean... Do you start storing a ledger in a different location in a bank or something like that? Yeah, well, yeah. Once you get to a to a certain level, and it is what I I do now, which is you you do hide them in different geographic locations. So that is once you get to a certain point, it's like right. Well, 
like I said, like once you once you probably get above like say ten or fifty k, then do you, do you should you store one fifty k in your house? Well, probably not. You should probably start splitting it. So put it in different geographic geographical um, locations, and obviously they split the Bitcoin up into amounts and different ledgers. So if a ledger does get found or compromised, you don't lose your whole stack. You just lose a bit of it. So yeah, so for the five dollar wrench attack. Yeah, so they could come in and, and and threaten me with something. I could just give them a ledger that I know has a has a decent amount on that could be bluffable that that is everything I have, and hopefully I get away with it there. But you always the five five dollar wrench attack is very difficult to actually overcome. That's obviously someone coming into your home, threatening you and your family to give over your keys. It's very very difficult. And if anything, you need to be preventative of that. So you need to have lots of security cameras and make sure they know that they're on, on film. You know, they're not going to get away with this. And not driving around with, in an orange Lambo with a license plate plate of Bitcoin one or BTC one. Yeah, and just flexing on Instagram. And you know, the, the, the people that I, I've seen on Bitcoin Twitter that have got had their Bitcoin stolen from them, are people that flex. There was a, I remember this trader guy. He was only a young lad, 21, 22. He had like 50 grand of cash on his desk and he was flexing on Instagram. That was just part of his gains. And he had like another 700 grand or something of Bitcoin and various shit coins on, on a ledger. And it was all just on the desk. But he was posting this on Instagram. He didn't realize it had his geolocation attached to that picture. And uh, he walked out of his flat. There was a, two guys standing there they grabbed him took him straight back into his flat they took the cash they they beat him up to a point where he told them what the password for the ledger was they sent all the 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 shit coins and bitcoin off that ledger and walked on out he had no clue who they were he never got caught and about six months later the poor lad hung himself because he was so devastated that he lost all his money and it was so stupid so yeah, it's it's like with everything, right? If you walk around with a fifty grand watch on, then you're gonna become a target. And uh so just you know, don't be, don't try and don't become a target. Fair point again. So kind of moving on from there, we talked about um storage. So um along with having a ledger, you get your secret words. So is it twelve for treasure, twenty-four for ledger? What's Cold card, I mean, how many words is that? Uh, they give you 24. Yeah, so you got 24. So funny enough, I spoke to someone who I work with, and may listen to the pod once, um, with something which we say, he asked me about it. And um, and he didn't understand how how the um how the ledger linked to um the 24 words. Mm. So it's so a brief explanation is you've got the ledger. And your security code gives you access. So that's basically a set of keys which join in, whereas the 24 words is a standalone. So literally you've got an option of either using the ledger or using your words in order to get access to your Bitcoin or rather restore it to another device. So it's important that you store the seed phrase down securely. Um, and I think he just had it written down on a piece of paper hidden somewhere in his house. <laughs> which is obviously risky um so yeah i suppose when you get a ledger you get like um a little sheet of cardboard don't you so it's not quite paper 
it'll wear slightly better than paper. But if there's fire, flood, or even old age, it'll fade enough over so many years, but it'll disappear. Um, or even work when it's quite exposed, so it's not encoded or anything. It's just literally words. So if someone goes, oh, what's this slip of paper? There's 24 words. I've heard something about that. Take it. Have a Google around. Order a ledger. Bang, it says, then. Um, so, yeah, it's not advisable to write it down. Um, so there's a few different options. So I've written down a few, but I'm sure you know quite a lot more. So there's... Crypto seal capsule, otherwise known as a prison safe, um, cold tie, Cairo, um, Aleppo or Menomic. I think there's the um, Zeus, which is what um, Miss, no, not Mr. All in. Um, so Neverlook uses. Um, so there's a few different options. Tiny seed. Oh, yeah, tiny seed, which I've got um, after I moved away from the crypto the prison safe after I found it a bit too painful to keep keep up me for a year. <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean what's your you've probably had a lot more of these kind of like storages well you certainly have than me and I'm guessing um more than Sir Neverlook. I mean what would you say about them? Um well number one they're fantastic right so their main use case is if your little USB device fails, then you have these 24 words and they are magic, right? It, and no one f believes they work until you actually try them. I remember you guys being like, what the hell? How can these random words just, I can buy a brand new ledger, put these 24 words into it and all my Bitcoin is restored. Essentially what it is, it's the key, literally a private key that unlocks whatever Bitcoin was stored on these various addresses they're all locked with one key and if you just lose the ledger over here it doesn't matter you can just take those words and put them onto a different ledger or actually you can even take your 24 words from ledger and put them into treasure or put them into cold card and they reignite over there instead it's just a key that unlocks the the bitcoin that is on the blockchain that is not on your device people think it's in the device it's like, no, nah, the, the Bitcoin isn't in there. You can just set fire to that device. It doesn't matter. It's All that is is a key that unlocks the Bitcoin that is in the network. The net, the Bitcoin is on the network, not in your device. So, so is, it a, is it a public and private key? So your private key being your, um, I don't know, like your, your digits for your ledger and the public key being the actual ledger. Is that how it works? Uh, I think that the public key is pretty much what you use to send and receive, but then the private key is access to the the actual um, Bitcoin itself. So that's the you know your public one is the one everyone can see. So there, the that's that's fine. It's public, um, but like the private one, that is you then have the permission to send from that address. Uh, so that is the one you need to absolutely be very very careful about. But you, you don't notice that that is being used when you're using a ledger. It just, you put a very short pin code into a ledger and then it allows you to type in Bitcoin addresses and send Bitcoin on and receive Bitcoin off. And it all looks very, very simple. They've removed all the complexity. It's nice and user-friendly. It's all there. But what they're doing in the background is those 24 words, each time you go press send, it is, it's using the private key to then go, yeah, yeah, this is owned by this person send it and it's 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 using your private key 
to then um, send a transaction and, and verify that this person is allowed to send from this device because this device has, has been authorized, has the 24 word access and it, and, and it sends it from it. So when you get these 24 words, um, they're, they're, these are the things you need to keep extremely secure. Because with your ledger, if someone comes across that, you've put a pin code on it, you put a passcode on it, so you're going to largely be fine. If someone even finds it, chances are they're going to brick it. You know, they're very hard to hack, you know, especially these latest ones. Even if you give someone your device, they probably can't get in it unless you give them the codes. But if you're 24 word seed backup, they that just is what it is. They could take those words and put them straight onto another ledger, a cold card or a treasure, and fire it up and they're and they're away. So they're the things you need to be extremely careful about where these are. And and hopefully you don't need to regularly access these. Like hardly ever, only if your physical hardware wallets fail or you're going to start moving stuff off or whatever, you need it for some reason. So these things you could really get rid of, really. So you can really put these in very, very difficult to reach places, either in your home, other people's homes, different geographic locations, and put these almost in the ground, in a safe in the ground, fill, fill the hole in. And um, if the worst comes to the worst and your ledgers fail, go dig it up, open the safe, get these... You know, they'll be on, you know, this is why you can't do that if it's on paper. You know, they, if you bury a safe in the garden and they're on paper, it's going to be rotted. But these are on steel sheets engraved um, with a, you know, an engraver. Well, there's a few oh. different, I think it's some like bifodal or something like that, where um, they have clips on it. So it's, you slide in the letters and then there seems to be a clip on it. So there's different ones, like the ones which you hammer in. Where you make the dent or you inscribe, and then there's like the prison safe, which is basically where you slide on letters, and it's kind of got a clip on the end. Yeah, and it's probably the reason why I moved away from the prison safe was the fact that if that clip comes off when you're trying to read it, and your letters scatter, you're fucked. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, I've only and it's the same with I think it's the other one on crypto steel, which is by FOD or something. I'll just type it in. Um. And that, yeah, there it is. A little um, monomic uh, metal grate it comes up with, and it's basically you slide in the letters, and there's, oh no, actually you screw this in. So you screw, you screw in the letters on that one. Actually, that might even be a different one. But there's ones where basically there's some kind of clip on the end after you slid in the letters. So my kind of advice is you look at that, like I, I suppose as I've kind of reviewed what I'm doing again and again, I've kind of gone, it can't be a clip. It has to be inscribed somehow. Yeah. Um, so that might be my advice. Like the crypto still, I got it because I quite fancy the look of it. It's a tube. You can just put it anywhere, hide it up your ass for forever, um, unless you go to prison um, when you're being off around as currency. <laughs> but, the, uh, <laughs> but the risk is you want to read it, you knock off the clip, and you've lost your letters. Um, and if your ledger device is played up and you're reliant upon that, it's a massive risk. So I like the look of the tiny seed. It's one which I bought um, a month or two ago. And it is just hammer it in. So I think something to, to point out on seed storage is you can 
either put the letters in to certain devices or you can put them in a position within the um or what's the um the um words called so the range of words um i don't know what the what the list of bitcoin words yeah. it's like bip something i don't know yeah so basically you've got a list of words which is where the 24 words are taken from you can either put the, the letters down or you can actually put the the position within the words within and it gives it a slight bit of encoding so it's something harder to figure out it may not be perfect but it adds like a layer of defense which hopefully with other things as well it'll help you keep your bitcoin safe yeah i mean if i was doing it again i've tiny seeds very recent it's only just come out last six months or so but um i if i was to do it again which i i will be um, I will be refreshing all my security in the next probably year or so, and I'll be buying a load of tiny seeds because they're they're great. They're they're so small. I've got I think it's called Crypto Tag, but they're quite large sheets, and you have to write the full twenty four words down, and uh, you can only get one set of seed words on one sheet. Whereas, so they're quite large sheets, so that you've got quite a lot to hide, you know. Whereas with tiny seed, they're probably about a fifth of the size, if not smaller. And um and yeah, like you just said, uh, you don't inscribe the full words onto the onto the seed phrase. You just punch holes that represent a number that then relates back to the bit thirty nine word list, and you just match it up. So yeah, you you might have one of the older crypto tags. So I was looking at Zeus, and that is hammer in. Um, so on the numbers, so it's relatively it's relatively similar to Tiny Seed. Um, but it's larger. So that looked like a good one to go for. The problem which I found with Tiny Seed is you are paying an input port charge on it because I think it's main, it's based in Amsterdam or at least at one of its shipping centres is. So now in the UK, so we're no longer part of the EU. Um, then they got four in Odin. I think one's some weird tube which you um, inscribe into. Actually, you might have um, a four um, crypto tag because that looks like you inscribe Whereas, yeah, I agree, like the hammering in is is time-saving. It can be done on a smaller scale and um, it requires some form of decoding to happen. Sweet. So when you talked about reviewing your security, how often do you do it? So I tend to do it, it, it depends on the value of Bitcoin usually. And also if I'm moving house um, or if I'm going to be away for a period of time, I might review it. So I probably just check up on it. So I probably get access to a couple of the key ledgers and make sure they still work. They haven't got damp or anything. I probably do that every couple of months, probably. Probably every couple of months. And then probably every it's probably about every three or four years that i completely refresh it so i move everything off change my words um and move off to something new um just in case something's been compromised and i like going through the process anyway cost a bit of money to do all that um but every three or four years i tend to do it and the reason why it hits that that time frame really is because bitcoin has usually then just gone to another multiple you know, so it's just a, suddenly a case of, wow, it's kind of shocked me that, okay, this Bitcoin on here is now worth a considerable amount more. I need to take a look at this 
and take what I've got and divide it up further to to enhance the security that I have and just spread the risk over a larger surface area. Yeah, so, so more ledgers, more seed phrases, but then also redo your seed phrases. Yeah, and, and it's 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 great practice. You know, sometimes I always I still get scared. You know, I, whenever I'm I, I still do it. I, I write my twenty four words down. I have a spare ledger and I'll type those twenty four words in. I'm always amazed when it works and it actually all just comes in. You know, I've done it probably a hundred times now, but um, I'm always surprised when it works. And uh, and and occasionally, very very occasionally, there's the odd seed word that is on the BIP thirty nine um, list of words that you can have for your your seed words. Some of them are quite similar. I've forgotten what they are now, and I have written down one that was slightly wrong, and I typed it in, and it didn't work. And I went, wow, I'm glad I tested that one, because I wrote that one down wrong. I was just testing that I had it all set up right. So I reset that ledger and got a different 24 words, because I hadn't put any Bitcoin on it yet. I was just setting it up. I went, I would have fucked myself there. I'm glad I tested it. And uh, so, and that's, you know, someone and that was probably me, my 16th ledger that I'd ever set up in my life. And I, one of the, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I fucked up one of the words. It's like, so, you know, and I'm very careful when I'm writing this stuff down and I clearly wasn't careful enough. And uh, so, you know, um, so I, I tend to every, every three or four years uh, review it all. Uh, but every couple of months, I um, just, just tap into a couple of ledgers, fire them up. Make sure I can remember all the pin codes. Pin the pin codes that can be complicated because I sometimes I have different pin codes for different different sorts of, uh, of ledgers and um, get them all working. You know, and obviously, like to a certain extent, also just needing Bitcoin and moving Bitcoin around. You know, I tend to tend to give Bitcoin um, for presents quite a lot. So every month or so, someone it's normally someone's birthday. So I need to so I grab a ledger from somewhere. I grab a random one. And um and use that one to send a hundred pound of Bitcoin to someone, and uh, so that's a good way of then me just checking in that do I know where everything is? Can I still access it? Do I know the pin code for this thing? And uh, so yeah, just using using your Bitcoin actually helps you refresh your security and make sure you. Look, awesome. the, the worst thing that can happen is your security is so fucking good, even you can't get access to it. That's bad. <laughs> when I um. So I originally bought in 2017 when I didn't look at it till 2020 and I couldn't find my ledger. I couldn't remember my pin code. I couldn't find my 24 words. <laughs> I've actually found them. Um, thank God. And um, then we have a, so I reset everything then. And then, but I am also thinking, God, I'd, I really should test my 24 words every so often. So that's the ultimate. Um, but one which I did was you can download an app for your ledger to test your 24 words. So I did that. I mean, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. So then I reset it all again. <laughs> so a new, new set of 24 words. And I think that's when I got the prison safe as well. Um, cause I had it written down on a piece of paper. Um, so I think, yeah, it's possibly the time to reset it again and start again. Um, but yeah, it's just the fear. Exactly, yeah, and you need to try and remove that fear. And the only way to do it is to make it more of a regular process, because you just know what the the ultimate fear is. You know, something happens. You really do need to use those words, like your 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 house does burn down, or it does get flooded, it does get burgled. You, these things can happen, 
And then the only thing you're going to have are those words, hopefully anyway, provided they don't got ruined or lost somewhere. And you just don't want to be like, oh my God, I haven't tested these for six years. I'm not really sure they're even the right set. Are they the backup set or the old set on? And you're typing them into a brand new ledger that you brought in a different location. You're typing them in and you're just praying that that was the right, they were the right ones. You should be 100% certain that you know they are the right ones. You know, so never looked good at this. You know, he, he has probably, he, he seems to have a single ledger at the moment, or at least he has a main one. He's memorized the words. So that's a very, very clever way of doing it. Because then if anything does happen, he doesn't even need to ever go home to, to retrieve his Bitcoin. He can just have a new ledger sent to a different location. He could, from memory, type in his 24 words into that ledger and have all his Bitcoin. He could be what in about, Australia and get his Bitcoin back. What about if I have it inscribed in my foreskin? Um, I don't think there's going to be enough room. <laughs> and you're half Jewish as well. <laughs> just have to be on the tip instead. <laughs> um, I think that kind of goes in with the next one, which is, I think I'm quite terrible for checking, you know, that my Bitcoin is there because I don't want anything on my phone. So I rarely use a laptop outside my work laptop. So I don't actually check. So how often do you check that your Bitcoin is there? So, you know, you talked about the amount of ledgers which you've got. How often? So the good thing with Ledger is that you have Ledger Live. So Ledger Live, um, I, I check that every day. So I know my Bitcoin has not moved um, because Ledger Live, even though it doesn't have access to the private keys, unless the Ledger is plugged in, it has it knows all the different addresses to monitor so it keeps a track of all incomings and outgoings so i can see exactly where my bitcoin is every single day live because uh, if any bitcoin moves it will tell me it's a live it checks the blockchain um so it can't move any itself it's just looking it's gone you've asked me to look at these 100 addresses incoming and outgoing um so normally i, I check it nearly every day because i'm you know, every um, I'm always sending Bitcoin to it from like Revolut and stuff. I'm still doing dollar cost averaging. That's using... the point. I haven't looked at my Revolut vault for a long time. Yeah, so I've I, I always send from from Revolut. I'm still trying to. I built up such a large amount on there. It's a thousand pounds a month you can take off. I'm still hammering that every five hundred pound a day and thousand pound a month. So I I make sure I check to see what that those withdrawals are hitting my ledger I and i can I check would... all that without accessing all the ledgers you know I'll, I'll if i need to send a transaction i need to go find a ledger and get it all plugged in and send but to check that my bitcoin's still there i just need to fire up ledger live and i can see it all yeah i've got the same amounts going from my revolute but i've got a few hundred quid in there which i've totally forgotten about so that's always a bonus but it is um <laughs> probably some of that has been bought at a much higher value but these are the bare times. These are the sacrifices which we make make for the future. Mm. But um, but yeah, I I remember. I think my brother asked me this one a couple of times. He was like, "Oh my god, I haven't I haven't checked my ledger for like six months, a year. I'm not even sure if I have any Bitcoin. It might have been hacked. You know, you just don't know." And I just went, "Well, you do because you check Ledger Live, right?" He's like, "Yeah." They're like, well, it's there. Like they are, they're tracking 
the addresses that has the Bitcoin on them. It can't send or receive from Ledger Live. It's just observing, just looking at the blockchain to see if your addresses have had any Bitcoin sent or received. And so provided Ledger Live is saying you still have some Bitcoin in those addresses, that's true. You don't need the ledger to check that your Bitcoin is still on the addresses, which is quite an important point. You know, I didn't know this for a few years. I didn't realize that Ledger Live didn't really do a live update unless I plugged my USB in. I thought it was just giving me an old set of data. And uh, so it wasn't until my knowledge improved and I realized, oh, no, no, it's just monitoring addresses. It doesn't need your USB drive plugged in to know whether the Bitcoin is still there or not. Yeah, I tried to um, write an app to um, view it, but I managed to pick up the wrong one. It was telling me the, what is it, the, um, the amount was like negligible and I absolutely cracked crack myself. So I obviously got the wrong address and picked up someone else. <laughs> but I was just like, my God, where's my Bitcoin gone? Well, you wrote an app to check an address and you might type the wrong one in. Yeah, I must have got the wrong address. I thought I got the right one. So I need to have another crack on it so I can just um, put something on my desktop when I'm working. Yeah. Um, but it did cause um, a touching cloth moment. <laughs> um, anyway, so I suppose I've, we've talked about like multiple ledgers, so I won't go back across this one because I think you've explained quite well. So it's kind of going, you know, from it's when it's a thousand pounds, when the price booms up, you know, so when we see the next halving, we're going to expect a bit of a spike or potentially even before the way which the world's going. And these are the times when you should be going, well, do I need more ledgers? So it's, you know, one probably isn't enough. You should probably shove two. Um, and then when you start getting serious amounts, start getting more and more because you are storing lots of money. But I think people are too used to banks and just literally going, I put my money in your account. They go, that's cool. Here's your card. And you haven't got to worry about it, have you? You don't pay anything for it. Whereas with um, Bitcoin, you're paying £100 for a ledger. You're paying £100 for some kind of like steel to stamp your seed phrase in. And then multiply that. So if you're setting up um, a split and you want to have two lots, so you have two ledgers on each one, you have um, steel for both. So you've got, what's that, £400, £600 in security. But when you are looking at potential amounts and the fact that, well, fear is going to zero, you have got to protect your assets. Exactly. Um, so you're asking, like, which one is this? Why? Which question? Well, I was just leading on to this one. So why is it so bloody difficult <laughs> to... Um, buy and store bitcoin i think this is part of the problem and i know it is starting to be addressed it's something which myself and sir neverlook said since the onset is it needs to be easier to attract more people so at the moment it's it's confusing people leave their own bitcoin on exchanges and they get confused the hell out of by all the shit coins which i think is part of the problem um but they're going oh i can buy this for a dollar or i can buy this for 10 cents or whatever whereas they don't actually understand the value. I mean, it's also, well, if you, you've got to do self-custody, which we're not used to, and you've also got to spend a shitload of money, and you've got to check it regularly to make sure you've got no security problems. You've got to update your ledger regularly. So why is it so difficult? Surely there is an easier way. No, yeah, well, in the moment, no, there isn't. But um, 
I, don't, I, I would still argue that it's not that complicated. Uh, I think if you're relatively tech savvy, then you should know how to do this. And the majority of people, you know, I see the kids coming through now, they're flying around on iPads, phones, all devices. So when you really look at it, you go, well, what really is it? Or well, it's an additional USB device that has a Bitcoin address on it that you need to send to, from an exchange to. And then as you set up that USB, it gives you 24 words that you need to write down. Now, that really isn't that complicated, really. I know there's some maintenance. And obviously, once you really start leveling up on the, the value that you have on there, then okay, it gets more complicated. But that's no more complicated than you know any person that has a lot of wealth. They have to start thinking about their security. It's why they go to their bank and they start getting safety deposit boxes. They start getting safes. They start hiding stuff in various places. So you have to start thinking about your wealth once you get above a certain level of wealth. Um, but for the, for the average person you know, that's got, you know, say 10, 20K of Bitcoin at some point, if you buy now, it can easily grow to that. Um, I don't think securing that is that hard, personally. I think it's it's a little bit of proof of work. I think it's a little bit like reading the Bitcoin standard. You know, it's like, oh, I can't get Bitcoin. It's like, well, guess what? Getting Bitcoin isn't that easy. Uh, understanding money isn't that easy. Understanding the history of money and what sound money is isn't that easy. All these things are quite complicated. There's lots of distractions along the way, and you have to sit down. You have to focus for probably 50 to 100 hours on really convincing yourself that what you're reading is correct. And then in reality, you probably need to then spend another 50 or 100 hours I'm going, well, how do I secure this? And these guys say it's all really simple, but I want to buy a ledger, I want to test it. And yeah, you need to sit down with it. You need to play with it for quite a while. You need to write down lots of words. You need to go around all that. And guess what? Once you've done all that, which you then have, you know, literally sound money that is self-custodial that no government or bank can ever take from you. So the reward for that amount of work is fucking ginormous. Uh, but... Yeah, you still need to remember that, obviously, if we go back about six years, hardware wallets and seed words didn't even exist. You would have to be pretty much a developer to be able to then download your private key onto an air-gapped computer that's never connected to the internet and then encrypt it and secure it on something. And if you, if you were going to write it down, it would be a huge key, which are just letters and numbers, like 200, 300 digits long. So when you first came into the like um, the Bitcoin zone or whatever you want to call it, were the ledgers? Were the? Okay. Yeah, I think they came out in around 2014, 15, I think. So yeah, I and I came in. Mount Gox people just kept the Bitcoin on exchange, didn't they? Yeah, and and to be fair, like there wasn't. You had to be pretty technical not to. So I suppose that's that's part of the evolution right there. And the one which I think we picked up about a month ago was Block. They introduced that um, three-factor authentication. So they're looking at, what is it, biometric server and device. Is that correct? So you have to get two of the three right in order to get access to Bitcoin. So it's it's looking at ways which you can access without, I suppose, these ledgers and to make it a bit more, well, a bit more um, accessible to the masses. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think stuff like that will come out, and uh, I think Casa do do something similar to that. They do have they have three different sets of keys 
you have two they have one and you need you, any two need to go together to be able to move some bitcoin so you can move it on your own but if you are compromised for some reason or lose one you can call them up and they'll give you the other one but um but yeah these services you have to pay for them and I, i'm always a little bit nervous about trusting a third party one of my keys it's just i know they can't do anything with it on its own they need my, one of my keys to make anything work but um, but I think these things will happen though. Yeah, you, you're right. There, there will be. I think in reality, I think um, hardware wallets and seed words probably will become old tech. If we fast forward ten years, most people probably won't be using them now. There probably will be some clever app that we can actually trust that has some fact, like layer layers of security in it that we actually is safe. And right now, we I think we're a million miles away from it, but we probably will evolve to that. And then it'll be super easy for people to hold their entire life savings. So you talked about the kids earlier and obviously us um, entering the area, but you kind of got to think if you want mass adoption, you want potentially boomers. Boomers being notorious for for not even being able to attach an email, um, an attachment to an email. You kind of got that issue to to deal with. So it it does need to be a level easier. Yeah, I, I don't think boomers will ever get Bitcoin personally. I think Bitcoin is for people that are open are open to new technologies. And so the boomers that are in Bitcoin now are open and have learned the new tech. The majority of boomers are they they if they are even slightly enlightened, they're gold bugs. But they can't get most of them aren't even enlightened at all. So yeah, if you can't put an attachment on an email. Unfortunately, they're going to have to hope that their kids help them because, you know, they're, they're probably not going to, they're, they're never going to get Bitcoin. They're just too far gone. You know, they've been, they've been, they've lived an entire lifetime. You've never managed to get your parents into Bitcoin. No, no, they, no. So, but they know that I, I've managed to get a portion of their wealth into Bitcoin, but they don't want anything to do with it. You know, they, they are terrified of it. So I look after all that. So that's, that's when you bought the farm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's all safe don't worry mom but uh but no they 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 get it they well they get it to a certain degree but they don't really they don't really think the financial the system's going to collapse they, they don't believe any of that but um i managed to get a portion of their wealth into bitcoin they they agreed to do that bit but they, they don't want to hold ledgers they don't want to hold they've never said done a bitcoin transaction i've sat down and taught them all through it try to get them to do certain so, things but it's just impossible it, it's funny when i think about boomers because boomers are around about what is it 1950 to 1960 aren't they so they were between 10 and 20 when the gold standard was completely abolished so they've seen the impact of that and how ludicrous it is being to remove it but for some reason it's never really entered their brains to say this is wrong. Why are we on a fiat standard? Well, I think in reality, because they've all done very well out of it. Like inflation has happened, but all that really meant for them is their house price went up crazy. So they're I like, suppose, inflation yeah. great. And people have 10 grand. I can sell it for 400 grand now. I love inflation. <laughs> why, why, why? Like they're, they're the ones that benefited from it. And like, we're and the ones. Also, the people who clocked onto the problems of inflation put their money into property, which is further hyped up the property price by making it a commodity. Yeah, so that that's why they, that, and weirdly because they've been on a fiat standard their entire lives, they just go, well, that's all they know, 
and well, it they, they had they had ten to twenty yeah. years, not on a Fiat Standard first. Yeah, they weren't old enough. You know, they were just a child, weren't they? So it happened yeah. during their lifetime, and, and they probably when it happened, there was probably big chaos. And then nothing happened, did it? Everyone said it was going to fail, and it never failed. And every decade, well, it failed. They had mass inflation because they went on to Fiat Standard, and immediately the central bank started printing shitloads of cash, and then blaming everyone else. And then, like, well, you want to see the propaganda for that? I used to talk to my parents about money printing. I remember doing it, and they, they tried to explain quantitative easing to me. And um, yeah, I, I, for a number of years, my teenage years, and probably in my twenties. I thought quantitative easing was a very complex thing that I was too stupid to understand because it never made sense to me every time someone, someone explained it to me. And then I listened to some Bitcoin podcast and they went quantitative easing. Is this money printing? You print it out of thin air. There's no complexity. It's all bollocks. Yeah. It's and to as... um, devalue debt, but in, t- in turn, it devalues the savings and earnings of the ordinary man. That's fundamentally what it is. And it's also quite good for shipping wealth. Okay, it's the greatest tax in the world. You you get everyone gets to keep the same amount of money. It's just worth less, and you just go, "Why is mine worth less?" It's like, "Ah, oh, because we printed an extra ten percent more. Where'd that go?" Never you mind. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've got it. Ah, good guess. Yes, I do. We've got one more question. So this is from the Everyman, because um, I sent him the agenda for this, asking if he's got any input, and he said. Ledger got hacked and people's details were stolen. Is there a way to buy a ledger and remain completely anonymous? I don't think there is. Uh, you can do it actually. Yeah. Um, so you can have a PO box. That's the that's the Bitcoin way of doing it. So yeah. So I I, I was in the ledger hack. Um, so my original name and address um, and telephone number got released. So fortunately, I've moved address now. So, but when I when that did happen, I was worried because at the time, some of my security was um, yeah, at that house um, where that was. Um, so I straight away moved everything that I had in that property out. So just in case someone did come around. Um, but yeah, the, the way to protect it now, so my, my new property now, I've got zero connection to anything. All, nothing, all my leaks are now nice and clean and because it's a uh, completely old address but yeah you can have a PO box so you can you know go down to your local post office have a PO box and then ask them to post it to that address so then if your address your name I think you can change your name I don't think that that pressures about your name I think when you're entering your payment details they will ask for your name there but quite often they they, they just discard payment details mm-hmm. straight away but your if name you, you have it sent to you can pay by like... Bitcoin, can't you? You what? You can pay in Bitcoin on Ledger. Uh, yeah, you probably can. Yeah. Because if you paid with an account number and sort code, there are methods in order to sync that to a name. So that is a lookup which is available. So they possibly check that. But you're generally going to be paying by credit or debit card number, which doesn't have a lookup from from what I know. Yeah, and, and normally like the, the the payment details usually they're very secure. Like, so they are they usually you know they're they're set up in a different type of part of the website. It's very much one use and then they're gone. So the ledger hack didn't didn't leak any financial details whatsoever. It was just a list of names and addresses and telephone numbers and email addresses as well. I think 
So they're the things that that's the the stuff, and obviously that's enough information to know. Like my my email that I use for that is nearly unusable now, and um, my phone number is also nearly unusable. I'm still in the process of wanting to change that. I get a call, I get two phone calls a day from scams because of this fucking leak. Um, so I'm going to change my phone number and just I was, away from it. I was in the leak, but it only seemed to be my email. All oh, right. So I got loads of emails and I, I kind of just block them, but some of them have looked very real. And I think it's why I get fake Coinbase and why I get fake ledger emails. Yeah. And they're very clever. Like I, I have um on my Outlook, they do focused and just other. And literally these spam emails and scams come through in the focused. Not only do they get through the spam filter, they come through in focused, flash up on my phone. And it's like, oh, your Coinbase account has been hacked. We need urgent you know, details now. It's a total scam. I don't know how they're getting like the spam filters now on emails are just completely bust. Um, but yeah, so the, the best way is I, uh, you can go and get a PO box. You get one quite easily and then um, just get it sent to a PO box at the post office and then just go down, pick up your ledger that way. So when you um, do your security refresh, will you be doing PO boxes then? Yeah, or or you can get it sent. It's a bit naughty, but you can have it sent to someone else's house. So um, mm. I have um, considered sending it to like my parents or something, just to be like, <laughs> lol. <laughs> Some guys with freaking five dollar wrenches might come around. I'd feel a bit guilty if that happened. In the, uh, we, we haven't got any clue what ledgers are. The, se- like... the seven the seven dollar forty wrenches. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there is that option you can send it to to like a mate or or actually send it to work there you go saying to work if you've got an office send it to an office and uh so then if that address gets hacked then yeah get... that's fair because i suppose i go in every so often into the office yeah, i don't know fair. if they take parcels anymore so it's not so heavily used since all the lockdowns all right but but yeah do it uh, like I said, you know, just as I said with um your mobile phone, you know, assume it's compromised. So only put stuff on there that you would be willing to send out to the world. It's a little bit like the same when you're buying stuff online. You know, your name and address and everything, it's every single time you type it in somewhere, you've kind of got to assume that's just out there in the world. So if it's Bitcoin related, try and make sure you don't use your own name and address. Uh, try and get it sent somewhere else get it sent to work to a PO box um it the thing is like w- this ledger hack happened um there haven't been to my knowledge any reports of people having being burgled or attacked at home yeah all, I think it was contact details wasn't it yeah all the scams and hack attempts have come through email and phone numbers uh so actually I did get some shitcoin spam through to my home address my physical letter with some random shit coins and i knew that was from the ledger hat but uh i was gonna say um do you know what um shit coin it was mm. it was fucking hex oh i don't know think i know that one i don't think i really need richard, to though richard hart's scam coin he became a multi multi-millionaire off it but yeah I think that's um, all the questions, unless there's anything else which you want to add, which you think is important. 
Now, I think my my point, my closing point is like everything we've discussed today, it always seems scary with security and taking custody of Bitcoin, but it, it isn't that hard once you do it, but it is super important to do it and don't be scared by it. Just, I think, I think, I think one thing I'd actually say is you need to really consider this. If you get over a thousand pounds worth of Bitcoin, you have, you owe it to yourself to start looking into this stuff. I think it's also, um, write down the stages so it's like buy on a trusted site transfer to a ledger back it up with your seed words and store them somewhere safe and when you start crossing over um financial values which maybe you preset start dividing up into more devices and that's fair isn't it and just um don't write it down on paper don't make it easily readable if you can encode it somehow which is possibly by putting the numbers within the um the seed words instead of the letters that'll confuse people more because you've got to think if um i don't know workman's in your house may stumble upon it you don't want to be able to read it and figure out what it is otherwise instead of getting paid 500 quid they'll get paid i don't know 100 grand yeah, yeah. but it isn't that hard <clears throat> i know we always say like our oh, security and Taking custody of Bitcoin is quite difficult. It's it's just new. It's I don't think it's that much different to setting up a new laptop or you know people. You know I I fly drones. Dr drones are fucking harder to fly and set up than my Bitcoin security is. You know the amount of software I had to download and get synced and can get all the right gear and all the right pieces. Literally, my drone is more complicated than my Bitcoin security, and my bit my drone is a fucking toy that millions of people fly and fly perfectly easily. Um, and many people be like, oh, it needs to be more user-friendly. It's like, I just want to get out of the box and press go. Yeah, that's what you want to do. But guess what? These like drones are specialized bits of gear. You need to sync it. You need to register it. You need to check all the things work. You need to build certain parts of it. And then once you've done all that, you get to press go. And... Uh, your Bitcoin's the same. You don't get to just get out of the box and press go and I'm safe and I'm a Bitcoiner. There's a number of set of steps and it just takes a little bit of time and effort, but genuinely, uh, literally, definitely everyone listening to this, but probably 90% of people in the world that try can do this. It really is not that complicated. So stop being a retard and just do it. It's pretty much your advice. Yeah, close on it. Bitcoin's not for babies. <laughs> I think that was your one two weeks ago about pensions and stop being a baby. Yeah, and I just started saying that a lot. Every time someone starts being like, hey, it's a bit hard. It's like, you're a baby. You're a baby. It's, it's not, you're not ready. Come back when you're not. Literally, I'm doing potty training at the moment with like the three-year-old. And um, every time she struggles, it's like, are oh, you being a baby? I thought you were... <laughs> I thought you were a big girl now. I thought you and I literally I've I've literally that that's where that comment came from because that's how you potty train a, a toddler is you that you, you threaten them with being a baby because they can't do it and they don't want to be a baby, so they go they do the new thing because they want to be a grown-up. And oh. it's literally the same with people managing their financial assets. You're like, you were a baby. Think, I think with the pensions, it's after that, kind of like um, the fact that pensions were short, like I said, I'm not 100% that I'm right with because there's no information anywhere about what went on with the pensions. But it sounds like they were basically shorting all the pensions.
by not investing in the correct assets. Yeah, I, I, I should have gone bust already. I thought I just think it's sometime in the next 10 years they probably go bust. If they went bust yeah. this year, it'd be like well, hilarious. The, the pensions start going bust in America. So it's literally the UK follows America with everything. And so they're fucking with the pensions, but I'm just not sure if it's a fixed income or a standard pension or both. So we we I literally was about to close off. Oh my god, we're about to leave. Here he is. <laughs> We're literally on the outro. You can do the Co- covered in hooker sparkle yeah. and weed. <laughs> As I said, I, if I could join, I would join. And here I am, Sir Neverlook, with Mr. All In, aka the Trillion Dollar Man, <laughs> Dr. Evil 10%, aka the People's Champ, and myself, Sir Neverlook. You know it. I am, aka the excellence of execution. Back once again for the 4Bs podcast. This has been podcast number 70, all about security, right? <laughs> it has indeed. Yeah, <laughs> and we've literally just finished. We're just talking about um, Mr. Orlin calling everyone babies. He says, if you if you can't do security, you're a baby. You're not ready for it. <laughs> and we all know that that's my line. How dare you say it when I say, um, you're not ready. Yeah, you're not ready. Uh, I love, I loved all the questions. Obviously, I looked through the agenda. Um, yeah, I'll it's made me think I need to review my security more. Mm. Well, I am here in Westergas, uh, Amsterdam. We're only like a two-minute walk away from the conference. So, uh, yeah, I, there's actually a section that talks about security. And uh, and what's best? I want to say it's on. I'll have a quick look through. You the need to um get some cards printed, drop them around the conference with um a QR code which links through to Spotify or YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I'm looking to meet Peter McCormack at some point. I know you're not Pedro. a big fan, Gaz. Call him Pedro at least once in that conversation. <laughs> he hates it but yeah I, I will definitely yeah. I'll talk to people about that um, yeah 100% yeah. we've got the security pod it tells you everything that you need there you go and I don't think it was um, I don't think there's anything too um, horrendous in, in the pod <laughs> this week that's pretty much um, me for work this week yeah, there's a section on Thursday. Uh, um, doesn't say a time. Oh yeah, it does eleven forty-five called "Don't Trust Verify." Um, there's also a demo of a hardware wallet security architecture of the Bitbox Zero Two. Um, yeah, just looking through the agenda quickly. Yeah. That'd be good. That I'm pretty sure that'll be our entire agenda next week. Is going to be this conference. So yeah, give us the give give us the insights as to what's good, what pops, what's people talking about, who's there. Yeah. Um, there's some good speakers here as well, of course, which I'm really excited to see as well. Um, so I think one of the first ones in terms of the opening, we've got Jeff Booth, Nico Gilch. 
Greg Voss, and uh, Prince Philip of Serbia as the panelists. And the topic is, has Bitcoin's inflation hedge narrative failed? And that's due to last 50 minutes on the main stage. Oof. Got Nigel Farage there as well. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> controversial, isn't it? He's there, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a bit of an outspoken guy, isn't he? Who knows? Maybe he's a Bitcoiner, Jesus. Mm. I only just noticed that he's on there. Like, there's a, I'm just scrolling through the speakers now. I'm like, yeah, I know all these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All same old, same old. And then Nigel Farage. Like, what? What? I know. What's he there for? Yeah. Um, um, it's an interesting one because I'm looking at it, obviously, from a perspective as well as obviously from a, a self perspective like do we need to be here um what are we going to get from it um but that yeah it'd be interesting to see what he actually says he's on this on this channel called gb news as well which i watch quite a lot on youtube and they they do seem quite open to stuff yeah, no, they're great. Yeah, they, they seem to really expose a lot of the government scams and stuff, but most of them yeah. don't, haven't gone the next step. They know that there's a lot of problems in the world, a lot of it is caused by government, but they haven't connected the dots yet and gone, oh, Bitcoin's the solution. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, there's um, this guy and I've seen on YouTube, and I think he's on GB News, and um, he talks about all the problems with money. There's people in the comments just saying... It's literally Bitcoin. Members of people say it's not Bitcoin, it's Ethereum or some other shit coin. Oh, was it? He's got long hair and I think he's Scottish. Mm. And the video the guy... was, it was floating around Twitter, but I imagine he's got a YouTube channel, this guy. So he seemed quite articulate and well spoken. Okay. Because the guy that made the book uh, Daylight Robbery is on GB News. And his name escapes me right now. Just Google it. Yeah, quick Google. Well, it could be him. Is he? Uh, yeah, is he Scottish? He's a bit of a... I don't think he's got long hair. No, it's not him. I saw him with a hat and I thought it could be him, but it's not him. Yeah. Like I said, I was gutted to miss two weeks in a row. I was like, right, get back, get back, get back. Yeah, well, we didn't have last week, did we? Uh, technically, you didn't miss this one now because you are uh, the last five minutes you're there. So, yeah. Technically, you're on it. Tick my attendance, just a late registration mark. That's all. Do you want to sign us out? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this has been the four Bs brought to you by Mr. All In, aka the Trillion Dollar Man, Dr. Evil 10%, aka the People's Champ, and myself, Sir Neverlook, aka the Excellence of Execution, podcast number 70. Peace. <laughs>